The Insulone Podcast is brought to you by Cybionics, an emerging CGM brand that focuses on simplifying how individuals aged 18 and above monitor and control their blood sugar levels. Upon becoming available on the market, the Cybionics GS1 CGM has helped users worldwide navigate the complexities of diabetes management with more confidence and peace of mind. Thanks to Cybionics, now more people are able to view and share their real-time glucose data, receive customizable glucose alarms, and generate full AGP reports, all directly from an intuitive Cybionics app, empowering them with the necessary information to make better decisions about their health. Cybionics combines data accuracy and comfort of wear, which is important to us all, with a feature-rich app. The 14-day scanning-free and calibration-free Cybionics GS1 CGM aims to deliver reliable, seamless diabetes management experiences. For more, check out CybionicsCGM.com. This is the Insulone Podcast, where I, own Costello, try to redefine diabetes. In this week's episode, I think I had come in from a run and my blood sugars were obviously coming down just as I was about to get home. I just lay down on the floor in my room. I just physically couldn't move. I was like purely exhausted, as if you had just been hit by a bus. Like. But before we get into that, everything you hear on the Insulone podcast is from my own personal experience. And if you have any worries or issues regarding your diabetes, please contact a medical professional. Now, let's get stuck into this episode. And we're back again, another week. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. It's myself, Owen, and Mr. Graham O'Toole. Yo, what's what's happening? On? What's going on? I uh, Every time I sit down to record, I have to rub dust off my microphone because you never know if there's building works going on in your local area hmm. and you leave your window open. So I leave my window open every morning when I go to work and I come back to air it out. But because there's a building site really near us, the dust from the building site always comes into the room. And my room is just covered in <laughs> dust. Because I'm like, there's no way I could, I could collect that much dust. in Because I clean my room every week. There's no way That's that much dust do, yeah. would accumulate. <laughs> yeah. But it does. It's disgusting. And do you know what, they, what the site was? It's Leisureplex. Now, people in Dublin listen to this. I know this, people listen to this over the world. But it was a legendary bowling alley. They've knocked down in favour of building apartments. They knocked down that Leisureplex? Yeah, that Leisureplex no is gone. And fun fact about that is, when Bruce Springsteen was touring in Ireland many years ago, he rented out the Leisureplex for him and all his staff and the E Street Band. So there you go. That's a little, that is a little fun fact for you about uh, the local Leisureplex, which is now <laughs> uh, crumbling in my room in dust. It's like a, <laughs> yeah. it's like a family member who's been cremated and the ashes oh, has been oh. spread everywhere. Here's actually a, a disgusting fact to start the podcast with. Apparently, the vast majority of your dust, of the dust in your house, is dead skin cells. Oh. Yeah, there you go. Sleep I, on that one. Hey, actually, will I tell you a quick, <laughs> a quick story from my radio show this morning? Go on. It involves... Um, oh, I'll tell you a second. Actually, while you're drinking your water, Graham, yeah. now that you mention building and, and dust getting everywhere, I'm getting the patio in my back garden done. Yeah. And they're basically completely digging up the old patio to put down the new one. And they had the, the back door open for the vast majority of the first and second day. 
and I walked into the kitchen that leads out to the garden and it was like the whole place was on fire it was like <laughs> there was so much smoke and dust oh, it was horrific that's rotten I hate when there's building works going on around your house we had fella next door for ages but we were talking about on the radio show this morning because one of the lads brought his mum down to the Cliffs of Moher to see it and they couldn't see the Cliffs of Moher because mm. there was too much mist over the weekend and someone contacted the show saying when they were in Boston they went on a boat tour or something and they were just going around the water and kind of to see Boston. But there was a, a bit of a dust storm all of a sudden and they couldn't see anything and everything went in their eyes. It was like, ah, they're picking like dust out of their eyes. But when they finally cleared and all the dust cleared, they looked to their right and it was a family holding an urn. No way. So obviously the family <laughs> were spreading the person's ashes to be in the river or the sea or wherever it was in Boston. But they put it in everyone's oh face. God. The wind no caught it and went all over the boat and into people's eyes. So I know granddad or nana was in someone's oh, that eyes. That is horrendous. <laughs> <laughs> you were talking to them today. They just sent in a WhatsApp voice note into the oh, show stop. after. That's horrible. After hearing that reminds it. me of, you know, in the Big Lebowski, when uh, they're, they're getting rid of the ashes at the end over the cliff. Yeah. And it's a really windy day and they're shaking it out of like a tin can because they don't have money for a proper urn. <laughs> and it just goes all over one of the, one of the other characters. Oh, that's good. That's horrible, but funny. Uh, yeah, now you got to find the, the funniness in sad situations. Yeah. Uh, before we go on, I want to ask a question. It's a big one. We haven't done two episodes in a row in a long time because we've been having loads of great guests on, but I'm happy we are doing this one because in the last episode, we were talking about Danny Gallagher's hip bag. (laughs) Amy wanted to know about Danny's hip bag. If you listen to 85, you'll know what we're talking about. If you didn't, it was emails from listeners and a listener wanted to know about one of our former guest Danny's hip bag. Now, I thought she was talking about hip as in cool. But when we read it for a second time, we realized it was probably just a bag that goes around someone's hip. And there was mass confusion. <laughs> and we went on many tangents. But Owen, have we got to the bottom of it? Have we found out from Danny, your friend who was a guest on the podcast, what the story with the hip bag is? I was hoping we'd have the details of the hip bag. <gasps> for, but we don't. Oh, I tried no. to call Danny. No answer. I send him a voice note, no answer. So I don't know if he's avoiding me, but we could I think so. try and get yeah. Danny on the podcast right now to see yeah, if we can get the hip bag let's details. Ring let's ring him. him. You call him now. He won't be able to hear me because you've got the headphones on. So I'll have to, <gasps> I'll be able to hear him. He won't be able to hear me. So you just take it and you find out what the story with the hip well, bag I've, is. I've just gone into our WhatsApp conversation and there's two blue ticks. So he's oh. listened. So he's listened. Maybe, maybe he's avoiding me. Is he a right, let's call him. All let's right. call him. Here we go. This is just for the hip bag details for Amy. Yeah. Guarantee you he's going to start with fell language when he answers <laughs> this one. How many rings are we giving him? He's probably in work or something. There's three in the day, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Everyone Some does people normal work. jobs. <laughs> Nah. Give him three more for the hip bag for Amy. I'm actually curious to know. Oh, are you there? <gasps> Danny, Danny, what's the crack? Can you hear me? I can, can hear you now. You're on loudspeaker on the podcast right now. <laughs> what's the crack? Oh, I, yeah. <laughs> I believe you. 
Danny, we've been trying to get the details of the hip bag that you use to carry your diabetes supplies for your hell and back run. I only, I, I only saw your message there a few minutes ago. I was at work there. I couldn't check it. Um, I'm trying to rack my brain. I went through my um, my history on Amazon as well, and I couldn't find it. But um, but leave it with me, though, because I'll, I'll check it there when I go home, check the brand, but I'll find it somewhere. Any ideas, Danny? Top of your head. I'm sure it was Amazon. I was it Amazon? What's, I'm pretty sure, yeah. And what's the brand? The brand, I don't know. I'll have to check it there when I get home. Okay. Right, Danny. Um, <laughs> a black hip bag all right yeah, yeah, yeah. danny let us know whenever you can and we'll forward on the details but are you in work right now yeah yeah okay i i appreciate your time black velcro hip bag okay perfect that's all we need nice one right danny thanks a million take care of yourself look wow there we go what a uh, man now we, there we go. Black Velcro hip bag. Just hearing his voice there made me want to get him on the podcast again properly. Yeah, he's such a good guest. How he? long has it been? A year? It's been well over a year. So I'd yeah, I'd say I'd well love over a year now. to hear you two chat about life. It's so funny though, because I know we're going off on a tangent here again as usual. But I always remember <laughs> going through college with Danny and I'd be checking my blood sugar in, in, in class or whatever it was. And I didn't have a CGM at the time. So I'd always be whipping out my blood checker. And we'd always sit close to each other. And he was a good friend. So anytime I was checking my blood sugar, he'd be like, what are you doing, you freak? Imagine having to do that. Imagine having to check your blood sugar and take insulin. My body does it automatically. It does it itself. Obviously joking. Yeah. But... He would always say those sort of things. We were laughing about it. And then once we left college, we obviously kept in touch and we still do keep in touch. But he sent me a text saying, I've just been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. Did you believe it? I thought it was a joke yeah. at, at the start, but obviously not. Oh, he's such a great guy. Yeah. Great guy. Really good guy. Well, the mystery of the hip bag continues. Yeah, look, just this about could go for another... 86 episodes yeah yeah well fingers crossed we need to get as much content out of it as we can but let's get into this week's topic and it was a topic we just touched on in the previous episode when we were chatting about the emails from the listeners and it is patience and it's something that you talk about regularly Owen throughout the episodes let's get into it tell us why is patience important with type 1 diabetes yeah this is one that. I've probably spoken about it from time to time on the podcast without really thinking about it in any sort of depth. And I think even from my own life with diabetes, you have certain ways of thinking and certain routines and certain rules or guidelines that you might necessarily follow without really even thinking about them. Sometimes they can almost be habitual decisions that you're not even aware of that you're making but basically patience is so important for managing your diabetes because you need to be patient with various aspects of your diabetes management and what i felt from my own life obviously living with type 1 the things that i need to be patient with 
in relation to my management are patience with my insulin, patience with my lows or the treatment around them and highs, patience with myself and patience with other people. So they're basically the four headings that I'd kind of break down patients into and I'll go through them one by one in more detail about how I think patients in certain scenarios can be very beneficial to your headspace, your management, your bloods, your overall routine day to day. Number one for me is always patience with my insulin. So more often than not, the insulin that I take with my meals is going to work slower than the food that I'm eating. Mm -hmm. So that's why I give myself a 15 minute pre-bolus, which basically means I take my insulin 15 minutes before I take my first bite of food. Now, for me, when it comes to keeping my management and my daily routine and my numbers, blood sugar wise, where I want them each day, it's the fine tuning and the small detailed decisions that make the biggest differences. And what I mean by that is me making that disciplined decision to say, I'm only going to take my first bite of food after my insulin has been basically running its course in my body for 15 minutes. Now, some people might not prioritize that as much as I would, but for me, I know that it's a big part of ensuring I keep my numbers where I want. Mm -hmm. And I need to be patient with that because there's sometimes I'm like, oh, I've had a long day. I'm tired. I just want to have my food. I'm hungry already. I want to eat now. But for me, it's those split second decisions to be patient for that 15 minutes that make sure the evening goes the way I want. Because if I know that I'm not patient with my insulin, inevitably my blood sugar is going to spike. It'll come back down anyway in time because my insulin to carb ratio will be correct. But I just want to avoid that spike when I can. And me being patient with that decision around my insulin is a big part of that for me. So the two times with my insulin where I feel I need to be patient is specifically around meal times, like I said, with my pre-bolus, and also when I'm correcting a high blood sugar. Now, obviously, I want to keep my blood sugar as stable as I can when possible, but that doesn't mean that it's always going to be stable. And as I've touched on plenty of times before, understanding and accepting that fact that things aren't perfect is a very important part of your overall management. So inevitably, when I have high blood sugars, like we all do, me being patient with my correction dose is very, very important. So instead of me seeing my blood sugar spike, knowing I need a correction, taking that correction, and then thinking, oh, my blood sugar needs to come down. Why hasn't it come down yet? It's been half an hour. It hasn't come down. It's been 45 minutes. It hasn't come down. I know deep down in myself, based off the 10 years I've had with diabetes, the correction is going to do something. It might not bring me down fully where I'd want, but it's likely going to do something. Mm -hmm. So what I do in those situations is I take a correction and then I throw my CGM away. Now, not physically, oh, but I don't, I don't look at it because I know that my blood sugar is already high. 
if my blood sugar physically starts coming back down, my CGM is still going to be playing catch up. So my blood sugar could physically be coming down, but my CGM could still say I'm high because of that 5, 10, potentially 15 minute delay. So what I do is throw my CGM to the side. Don't even check my blood sugar with a finger prick for half an hour-ish if it's a high blood sugar. Let the insulin hopefully do something, then check with a finger prick. So patience for me in those sort of scenarios is very, 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 very important because I know that if I get frustrated and if I'm like, why hasn't my blood sugar come down? I've taken my insulin. Why isn't it coming down? Getting pissed off and getting frustrated at that will likely lead to me taking more insulin. And me taking more insulin in that scenario before the original correction dose has done its thing almost inevitably will lead to my blood sugar plummeting down the other side. And then it's more frustration and you're like, oh, for God's sake, wasn't blood sugar. And now you're fighting the lows and yada, yada, yada. We all know it. We all know. We all know what happens. So then I suppose what leads me into another way that patience is very important is me being patient with my lows. Now, it's vital that I outline, first of all, before I talk about any of this, if you have a low blood sugar, the priority is to get your blood sugar back up. There's no two ways about it. You have to just get your blood sugar back up for your own safety. Now, when I'm treating my low blood sugars, I know that I will rarely go way too low, way too fast because my insulin doses are quite small because my insulin to carb ratio is very high. And I know that I generally eat similar enough foods. So if I have a low on one day, it's not going to be like absolutely plummeting down to one or 1.5 out of nowhere. I'll always have a good idea of how fast or how low they're going to go. Now, when I'm treating lows, similar enough to what I do with, with high blood sugars is I'll see my blood sugar go low. I'll feel my blood sugar go low. I'll always double check with a finger prick because it's more accurate for me. I will treat the hypo more often than not a lift glucose drink or four or five glucose tablets, depending on how low I am. Throw my CGM away. Mm-hmm. That's going to play catch up. My blood sugar is probably going to come back up, but my CGM will sit, like will probably still say I'm low. So again, it's almost the other side of high blood sugars where if your CGM is playing catch up with a high, you're likely going to take more insulin. But if your CGM is playing catch up with a low, you're likely going to just start down drinks and Lucasade or glucose tablets. Again, leading to a rebound high, which is never a nice feeling after a low. So what I do is, like I said, throw the CGM away, make sure that the low is treated, but then I'm patient around that and I say to myself, my blood should come up in the next 5, 10, 15 minutes. I make sure they do by checking my blood monitor. But patience around that for me is important because I know that the treatment that I've taken for my low 99% 99% of the time will bring me back up. So instead of me being like, I need to get more glucose tablets in, I need to get more glucose tablets in, I let my initial treatment of the low do its thing. 
Now, if I see that my blood sugar hasn't come up in that 5, 10, 15 minutes, of course I'll take more. Just wondering, when you're feeling low, and I've you've said before about that feeling when you go low and you can't really explain it, mm. only a diabetic really knows what it feels like. How long after you start treating the low does that feeling start to go away? Because I would feel like, you know, you obviously treat the low and then you start coming back up. But if people are still feeling low, it kind of, it could it be kind of hard for them to judge how much is too much to take and you might be going high again. Does yeah, of course. Sense? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and like I said, the most important thing with low blood sugar is that your blood sugar comes back up. That's hands down the most important thing. It doesn't really matter too much if you have that rebound high because a high short term is going to be safer than a low. Mm. So you can kind of deal with that high. But for me, if I can avoid that rebound high, I like to do it. But generally... If I have a low, now depending on how low it is, if I drop to say 3.5, I won't feel good, but I should start feeling normal again within kind of 15, 20, 30 minutes. Now, I've had a couple of lows where I dropped down to like 2, 2.5, which is lower than I would like to go. And sometimes it just feels like you've been hit by a bus. Like there was, I, I can't remember when the when I had one that low in recent times, but one of them, I think I had come in from a run and my blood sugars were obviously coming down just as I was about to get home. So I treated the low and I just lay down on the floor in my room. <laughs> and I, was, I, I, I felt, I just physically couldn't move. I was like, just... Pu- purely exhausted as if you had just been hit by a bus like and then i lay there for maybe an hour (laughs) (laughs) now my blood sugar would have come back up but sometimes it's almost like the remnants of a low that you have can linger on for hours nearly it can feel like so a lot of it for me depends on how low i go but Sometimes they're easier to recover from than others. You've talked about lows, insulin. Let's go a little bit closer to home. Why should you be patient with yourself? This is an important one. Well, they're all important, but this is an important one. And I love getting into the conceptual ideas of of diabetes management because we all have our own thoughts and ideas and conversations with ourselves around our diabetes management. And obviously, what I go through here is patience with myself. Somebody might have to be patient with themselves in other ways. But basically, I feel with my management that I need to be patient with myself because I know it's never going to be perfect. And in an ideal world, I'd love it to be perfect because it's my health and it's important to me and it directly impacts my quality of life each day if I'm up and down, up and down, up and down. So me being patient with myself around my management is important because it's never going to be perfect. And I think me accepting that and understanding that is very important. And I do accept it and do understand it. And I have done for the time that I've had it. But sometimes I feel like I can kind of go through phases where I'm like all or nothing. 
with my diabetes management because I work so hard with it. When things don't go as I want it, I'm like, oh, for, it ha- like it has to be perfect. It has to be perfect. But then I pull myself back from that because I want to, like I say, objectively analyze it and understand that it's never going to be perfect. So how can I get annoyed at myself when it's not? Because perfect blood sugars with that flat line every day just does not exist. Anybody who tells you it does is lying or doesn't know about diabetes, basically. So me being patient with myself is understanding that if I have a shit day, excuse my language, a bad week, a bad month, whatever it might be, understanding that it's the long game I'm playing. Bad days here, bad days there don't matter too much long term. So having patience with myself, taking a step back from that and realizing, look, chances are I'm having this when I'm 80, 90, maybe 100 years old, depending on how long I live. So patience with my daily management is important to know that I'm going to have lows, I'm going to have highs, but as long as the majority of the time I'm happy and comfortable and confident with my management, that's the most important thing. I really liked the last one that you pointed out is patience with others. Because that could take a lot when people don't really understand your condition. Yeah, and I think patience with other people with, with diabetes can come in different ways. And what I mean by that is sometimes, like, I'll give an example. You could be out for dinner with a group of people and you could be someone who says, I love being out with this group of people. I love enjoying normal things, going out for dinner, going out for drinks, whatever it might be. But still, when you do those things, you like to be somebody like myself. I like to be somebody who goes out and enjoys myself. But even when I'm out enjoying myself, I like to make good decisions that will benefit my bloods without sacrificing the experience of being out, but still managing my bloods when I can. So let's say you're out for dinner with somebody, with a group of people or whatever, and everybody's getting a dessert. Everybody's getting a double chocolate cake or whatever it might be. And that's perfectly fine. You can get it. Of course, like you're not going to die if you eat a chocolate cake. But the point I'm trying to make is sometimes it's almost like a peer pressure around certain situations can lead to you making a decision that you might not necessarily want to make because somebody who doesn't have type 1 diabetes can eat that chocolate cake, no problem. Whereas potentially if I eat that chocolate cake and my insulin dose isn't correct, I could be up for the rest of the night with low blood sugars or high blood sugars and it has an effect on me for the next few hours depending on how that specific cake may impact my blood sugar. Now, Again, I want to touch on the point that it's not like anything I do is in no way controlled by my diabetes. But the point I'm trying to make is it's perfectly acceptable to have that chocolate cake. It's perfectly acceptable not to have that chocolate cake. Depending on what you want to do and decision that you want to make. But it will affect somebody differently who doesn't have diabetes compared to somebody who does. That's just a fact. And having patience with other people in situations like that is important because 
they might be like, ah, go on, ah, go on. Just have the chocolate, have the chocolate cake. It's only, it's only one chocolate cake. Come on. It's not going to kill you. It's not going to go, ah, go on. You're right. It's not going to kill me, but I may want to make that decision because I know from past experiences, I could potentially be up all night with highs and low blood sugars. And having the patience with people in those sort of situations is important because they don't truly understand the complexity of diabetes day to day. And they don't truly understand the fact that it could ruin your night's sleep. It could have you pissed off for the rest of the evening. It could ruin your next morning because you've been up all night with your blood sugars. So understanding that, I suppose understanding that other people don't understand is important. Yeah. And in scenarios like that, I'd always say, don't be afraid to make a decision that's going to benefit you. Like if everybody around the table is eating whatever they want, drinking whatever they want, you can too. That's fine. But if, if you have made a decision to yourself, even maybe before you've gone to a restaurant or whatever, that no, I want to make different decisions around what I'm eating here because I want to avoid the nighttime highs, nighttime lows, specifically tonight. You could have an early morning tomorrow or whatever it is. And then I suppose the other point about being patient with other people that might not necessarily understand it fully is being patient with them when you are affected by your diabetes. So we all know that if your blood sugar is really high or you're fighting a few lows, it can drain you and it can frustrate you very much and it can piss you off very much. And your temper might be slightly higher or whatever the expression is. Tem- is temper higher? Your fuse might be shorter. Fuse might be shorter. Temper higher? What am I talking about? Your fuse might be shorter because your blood sugar has been high or it is high or you've had a difficult day so far and you might snap at people easier than you would if your blood sugar is in range. And really consciously trying to make a decision to be patient with people with situations like that is important because they might not know that your blood sugar is high. They might not know that your diabetes is giving you some hassle for the evening and they might have had a tough day too, whatever it might be. And if they say something to you or annoy you or whatever it is and you kind of just snap and you're barking at them, you might not really mean it. You just, as you say, Graham, have that shorter fuse because your blood sugar is giving you a bit of hassle. So what I always try to do, easier said than done, as we know, but I try and not let the highs like that, say, stubborn highs or annoying highs where I'm frustrated, affect me too much or my response to people or how I react to whatever I might be reacting to because they have no idea. So if you're barking at somebody or if you're snapping at somebody, it's kind of like, oh God, Jesus, maybe I won't say something again. But easier said than done because my blood sugar is in range right now and I feel good and it's easy to have these conversations when you are in range, but it's a test for you when you're not in range. And like I say about reacting I suppose, not reacting emotionally to your bloods. It's easy to say to yourself, 
ah, yeah, sure. Next time I have a really high blood sugar, I'm just, I'm not going to react emotionally. That's fine. Or anytime you have a low blood sugar, no way I'm going to react emotionally. That's easy. That's grand. But in that moment, when you have a really high blood sugar or your blood sugar won't come down or you're really frustrated that your blood sugar keeps going low or whatever it might be, in the moment is a test of that. And in the moment is a test of, are you going to consciously try and make a decision not to react emotionally to your blood? Are you, Graham? I won't do it. Not after, <laughs> he- not after hearing you speak. Yeah. No way. But I always related to... <clears throat> I'm, I'm trying to avoid any voice crack here. But I always related to the saying that my dad used to say to me and was like, you've no control over what happens to you in your life, essentially, to a certain extent. But what you do have control over is how you react and respond. And much like deciding, I'm not going to react emotionally to my blood sugar. When your blood sugar is in range, it's easy. And when I relate it back to when I was initially diagnosed of, ah, yeah, I'll, I'll, I, I can react and respond however I want. Like, I'll react and respond in a good way. La, 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 la. It's easy to say that when things are going your way. Mm-hmm. Whereas when something's thrown into your face or you're hit with bad news or whatever it is, that then in the moment is a test for, do I really live by the idea of I'm going to react and respond in a conscious, unemotional manner that might benefit me? And for me, when I was diagnosed, it was a test of that. Because it's easy to say, ah, yeah, like, sure, my life was, my life is great. My life is still good. But (laughs) I suppose leading up to it, my life obviously was good. And I was like, ah, yeah, react and respond, whatever. When I was diagnosed, that was tested. So when you're sitting in a hospital bed, told you've type 1 diabetes at the age of 19, that is a test for you to say, right, am I really, really saying to myself, I'm going to make a decision to react and respond differently? And I've definitely gone off on one talking about. (laughs) Question, do you feel like, obviously you're being someone in general as 19 is completely different to someone in their late 20s. They've changed. It's a very important period of their life. But do you feel that you have changed for the better as a person because of diabetes in the way you react to situations? 100%. Absolutely. And I'll be dead honest with you. I'll be dead honest with the podcast as well. Last night and today, not ideal, right? A couple of different things, not ideal. But what I've been saying to myself last night and what I've been saying to myself today is, look, not ideal. But I'm testing my own philosophy right now. What good is it to me when things are perfect? And things, look, no matter who you are or what you do, where you are, where you come from, things are never going to be perfect all the time anyway. But right now is me being like, it's a bit of a test. Are you actually living by what you're saying? And I think I am. And I think a lot of that comes from the fact that I have diabetes. And a lot of that comes from the fact that my patience is tested daily because of my diabetes and because of my blood sugar. I enjoyed that, on. 
Thank you. Very good. <laughs> We've been touching on talking about patience for a while and then it kind of came up again in last week's episode. So I'm delighted that we got to it. I think there was so many good points in there. Definitely. To diabetics and non-diabetics, to be mm. honest. Um, no, really enjoyed that one. Thank you very much. Thank you, Graham. And as always, thank you for listening. We appreciate your time and your ears. So I hope you're able to get something from the podcast. Even on days like today, I love doing the podcast and I feel more refreshed after doing it. And as always, if you have a story, question, experience, I know you all do, do not hesitate because some of the stories that we're getting from people are amazing and very very interesting and coming from all over the world, which is fascinating and quite humbling to see, to be honest. So I love having these conversations with everybody. Until then, or until next week, whenever I speak to you next, have a good day, have a good week. Don't react too emotionally to your bloods. And I'll chat to you soon.